Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. If you're always searching for your next great adventure or seeking answers to complex questions, if you think of yourself as someone who takes charge, is there for others, breaks down barriers, or sees the world for what it can be, then you're just what we're looking for. CIA is searching for women of all skill sets with these traits and others to join the Directorate of Operations and help protect our nation. Visit cia.gov careers. See yourself here. Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes, and today I'm delighted to be joined by JP Mason and also by Declan McConville. Welcome back to the show, guys. How are you? Very well, Paul. Cheers for having us on. No, it's always great. It's always great to see you, Declan. You and JP, you were just saying the last time you saw each other in the flesh was um, on a European away day. Is that right? I think so. I've just been reminded about that there when Celtic used to qualify for Europe after Christmas. There we go. Uh, those heady days. It was just as we were about to get herded away from the outside. I was waiting on my pal Michael when the, the very heavy-handed Spanish police were about to uh, basically sweep us off the pavement if we didn't move. That's, that's, that is exactly where I, I met you, just, just there. So uh, luckily we didn't get on the wrong side of them. 
No. Absolutely. But as you say, memories of uh, yesteryear where we were able to progress in Europe seems like a a long while ago. Um, However, even further back, JP... There's a jersey over your right shoulder. And I know that we speak about it quite often on the podcast when you appear, but that is one of my favourite Celtic tops of all time. That's class. Which player do you think of when you look at that jersey? Jerry Craney. Do you? Yeah, Jerry Craney. Uh, I think it's just because I've got highlights from games around that time. and Mm -hmm. uh, I'm pretty sure Jerry Craney, and the highlights I've got taped off the TV, Jerry Craney scores scores a couple of goals in it. So I... um, I think maybe Tony Mowbray as well. Mowbray, Mowbray. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, it's interesting how jerseys do spark these memories, JP. Right? And uh, did you know, with your musical um, affiliation, that Jerry Craney is full cousins with the Kane brothers at Hugh and Cry? <laughs> <laughs> that is unbelievable. Uh, Celtic slash music knowledge there. True story. <laughs> I, I, no idea. I also heard rumours that he's now a taxi driver in Hamilton. That that's unconfirmed because you know this. He's he's the head of youth at St Johnston. Is he? Aye. All oh, right. Okay. Now, I, I know want... this is this we're digressing here, but yeah, it's important. <laughs> it's important to to talk about Jerry Craney when we can. Head of youth at St Johnston. Right. Well, I mean, I just want to clarify. There's absolutely nothing wrong with being a taxi driver. It's just that you know, with his, I mean, he was a he was a great. Not a great striker, he was a good striker. Um, but, you know, you'd like to think he'd still be involved in the game in some aspect, and I'm glad that you've informed me that he actually is. So, uh, yes, but that's, that's because I, I interviewed the other Kane brother who plays bass for the Proclaimers. Brilliant. It just goes on and on, doesn't it? I mean, the players that I think of was from the actual catalogue that season. The models were Brian O'Neill and Gary Gillespie. There you go. We blast from the past. Yeah, yeah, that's good for the times, isn't it? <laughs> oh, I know. Now, before we get on to the big subject, how can we get re-engaged with the club? Um, let's just talk a wee bit about one of our pundits who has been a superb addition to the show, Anthony Haggerty. Uh, unfortunately, he had to deal with Jobbygate last night. He had to deal with Jobbygate on Hamilton TV because he was commentating on the game and his co-commentator came out with his faux pas, which has been spoken about all morning. But it brought back memories of Tiger Tim. Remember he lost his job? You remember that, JP? I remember Tiger Tim. I had a radio show and I remember the wee jingle like at the end of the show, what are you going to do after the Tiger's gone? (laughs) Uh, Remember that? I can't remember the radio show, but he w- after the Tigers gone, it was like at the end of the his, every show ended with that little jingle. But is that right? I didn't know that Tiger Tim got the, the sack. He, he used to speak over the tannoy and play the records at Celtic Park, and he asked for a minute silence one night when Rangers got knocked out of Europe. <laughs> 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 oh, the 90s. Great days. They weren't really great days, but, you know, we can look back on them. Um, now, let, let's talk, Declan, about this disengagement. I mean, how, obviously, f- apart from the obvious, not being able to go to the games, how disengaged do you feel as a Celtic fan at the moment with the club? Massively disengaged. Um, the club have got two major platforms in terms of YouTube and Twitter, and they just don't seem to want to communicate with them. There's no... No strategy to talk to fans. They've got everybody's emails as well. Um, obviously, if you're a season ticket holder, you'll get your pass to paradise sent out. There's no engagement. Whenever there's an announcement or anything happens, you just don't get told. It's as if the club don't want to tell anybody anything. 
Well, someone suggested, and I can't take credit for it, that um, you know this address from Peter Lowell could perhaps be done before a game. You know, because you're talking to the season tickets who are logging in with your virtual season ticket. Uh, do you think that would work, Declan? I mean, it's it's still one-way traffic. It's not as though you can engage with them, but it would be an address to the fans, a direct address, rather than the contrived video that was set up to apologise for Dubai. It probably would have been a better idea in terms of just that kind of connectivity with the club or some kind of pre-match show that's a bit more than just two ex-players and, and Jeremy Culloch at the side of the park talking about the game, talking about the week's ongoings at the club. You know, the, the, the platform's there. Um, I know maybe some staff might be furloughed and the Celtic views not really operating just now, but platform's there to do. So they should use it. Now, we put out a wee bit of pre-match entertainment ourselves, JP, the other night, and it was uh, an interview with Mark Hughes and Mark Bowen. Um, what's your thoughts on Hughes and Bowen as a managerial team that could come into Celtic Park, should the vacancy arise? Well, it's certainly not something... Uh, I've only watched the first uh, 20 minutes of it, so I can't comment on the full, uh, the full thing, but, I mean, I, uh, I certainly wouldn't be... a, a against them being considered, you know, just because of this whole, oh, well, they've been out of the game for X amount of months or X amount of years or whatever it is. You know, they're not they're not fossils, you know what I mean? They're clearly intelligent guys and they both love football. Um, and having that chemistry between two people in charge of a football club, uh, you know, can't be sort of... Uh, can't be, you know, scoffed at or looked over, you know, because I think you only need. I mean, I still it still frustrates me that that Neil Lennon took the job on the basis that he just was he was given the staff to work with, and he just kind of went, oh, okay, then I'll I'll do that, you know, because that's what you want, that's what that's what will happen, you know. It's just it's just frustrating to to think that you know he didn't dig his heels in. Um, and I think going forward, whenever there is a change in management, as there will be inevitably at some point, when that will be, who knows? But when that happens, it, there's got to be some sort of uh, shift from that. You know, oh well, we'll just give this guy a job because he's been here. You know, no, no, no disrespect to, to John Kennedy, um, but I'd rather see a manager come in and, and pick his own backroom staff. And if that means that John Kennedy has to leave and go elsewhere, then so be it. You know, it's not, it's not a case of just keeping guys on just because, you know, they played for Celtic or that they've been here, you know. But he was under the previous regime as well and I always I find that quite strange that he was here under Brendan Rodgers and now he's sort of under Neil Lennon but they're not, there's no connection there, you know. Now, Declan, I know that you're a big fan, as we all are, um, of, of Neil Lennon. What's your current kind of stance on the managerial setup at Celtic? Some people are suggesting that, uh, you know what, there might not actually be a change. What's your take on it? I thought after the game on Saturday, the, the post-match comments kind of indicated that it had ran its course, but for the time being, it looks as if nothing's going to change. Um, for me, kind of after when Celtic went out the cup to Ross County, was probably the point where I thought this needs a change because targets are set at the start of the season. They weren't fulfilled when you go out a cup competition. So at this point in time, I don't see anything changing. Um Unless something really, you know, I've got a severe doing. Well, 
the, the thing is with, with that JP we keep hearing about the Mowbray moment you know and you could probably go further back and talk about the John Barnes moment um, a result that was so bad that uh, there's no way they could stay on but I think we've had a few of them this season yeah we have we have I mean I, I you know like yourself Declan I've, I've been you know flying the Neil Lennon flag as long as I could uh, but there has to come a point so there's Neil Wenning's part of a whole thing that isn't working at Celtic. I don't think you just go straight to the manager with, with the with the axe. It's it's there's you know clearly the loyals leaving at the end of the season. That's been identified as needing to change. Uh, that's one of many things that needs to change. Not least the engagement with the fans uh, and just just a root and branch, you know, and I know that Neil Wenning's come out and said, oh, I think it's a ridiculous thing to suggest that we look at a root and branch change, but the evidence that's been presented this season and the way that the collapse has happened, you know, to, to be so far behind, to be out of Europe, you know, beating 4-1 twice off Sparta Prague, yes, we beat Leo, yes, we put up a decent fight against Milan and we were 2-0 up in the San Siro and all of that, but ultimately we came away with nothing. We, we played pretty well against Rangers at Ibrox came away with nothing you know it's there's only so many times you can put that argument forward and be like ah but we did ah, but we, ah, we didn't win anything no, we didn't. I know you're going from quadruple treble to potentially a, a trophyless season. Now, um, in doing the Celtic State of Mind broadcast on a daily basis, what can sometimes happen is uh, hosts of other podcasts want your take on things. So, a couple of weeks ago, spoke to a chap Mike down in Liverpool. And we did a podcast where he was asking me various things about my Celtic support in life. And then this week, uh, ESPN asked us on to talk about the current situation at Celtic. So I was speaking to two guys who were based in the States and they basically asked me, so explain how did it go wrong? What, what went wrong? Why did it go wrong? <laughs> Declan, what a question that is, by the way. Um, what, what do you think, you know, it is difficult to say that it's one thing or even a collection of things or one person uh, or, a, or a team of people. Uh, where do you think this started to unravel? Has this really been an issue for the last two, three seasons or beyond? And it's just starting to unravel now. Um, do you take into account all the mitigating circumstances around Celtic this season? In your view, Declan, is a root and branch restructuring required? I think the club need to change direction. Um, but, you know, we've had a lot of success for the past nine years, but there needs to be a freshen up with Peter Lowell going. That needs to be in the form of a new kind of structure, I think, with the director of footballing. Um, one cause, I probably couldn't give you one cause. Um, I always kind of go back to the day we, we get presented the league, and I thought everybody then wanted Neil Lennon to be manager and to be successful. So it wasn't as if this was just a big... You know, at one point, everybody went, oh, let's all change our mind. Everybody wanted Neil Lennon to be successful. But as time went on, I think maybe Ferenc Varos is, is a point where things started to change. I know we get dumped out by Cluj and we went on to have a good season, but not qualifying for the Champions League kind of starts you in a way behind and then dropping points at Rugby Park, then going two games behind, and then it just started to spiral out of control from there onwards, and it just got worse and worse, and then just everything has just went wrong as it as badly as it could. Um, probably not one major factor, but there's been a lot this season, Paul, and um, 
it's just been a complete disaster. It would actually make for a really good book. I don't think anybody could have thought this book could have been written, but the book could be written now. Um, people would have thought it was probably fiction, but it's going to be non-fiction because it's been absolutely crazy. You could not have you couldn't have made it up, um, but see when you're looking at all the different reasons. One of the big things, JP, that often you're focusing so much on everything that's going wrong with recruitment and with Neil Lennon and the coaching staff, and yeah, they're all valid. But again, at the same time, Neil Lennon came out last week and said, you know, I need the players to really step up here. He said that after the Saint Mirren game. I need a bit of uh, a reaction from my players. Do you think he got that midweek against Kilmarnock? He got it uh, against the. Uh, pretty, you know, I thought that Gibson boy played well for Kamarnak, and he could have probably scored uh, one or two for them. And I thought he looked decent, but I think Kamarnak looked a team in disarray, uh, and we definitely got them. Finally, we got a team at the right time for us. You know, just this, uh, we got St Mirren at the wrong time on Saturday because they were bang up for it off the back of a five-one victory at Tanadice. You know, their their, their tails were up and. You know, you could tell within the first 10, 15 minutes of that game on Saturday that we were really going to struggle. One of my friends, uh, my pal at work, was just like, oh, I think 4-0 tomorrow. And I was like, Stephen, what, what, what football are you watching right now? Because we have not got a 4-0 in us. And obviously, subsequently got one against Kilmarnock, but it was a different kettle of fish. Um, I think he got a reaction. I think there was something I wanted to mention about, there's been a lot of chat about us tiring in the last 20 minutes of games. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I subscribe to that because well, apparently the training is exactly the same as it was last season. Right, nothing's changed. We've heard that quite a few times from players and the manager, as if to say, "Oh, I don't know what's going on because we're doing exactly the same thing as we were last season." And you look at, you know, Lazio away, you know, like Cham and Edward sprinting forward, uh, you know, to to win the game in the nine moments of the game. That was, you know, so. The fitness wasn't getting questioned then, but the fitness is getting questioned now. So I don't really understand what what that is, and if I do believe that the players are uh, unfit, or if it's just a case of not, maybe not, not, not surely they're not not trying. I mean, God, you're the professional football player; you're trying until the until the very last kick of the ball. But you know, those wee things like. Uh, I think it was a Kevin that mentioned that like, Christy taking the shot and skying it and then looking over at the bench as if to say, you know, how, you know don't dare criticise me for missing a shot or whatever. Mm. We things like that, uh, they're, they are not healthy to have in and around the team. No, they're not. And, and you do tend, because things are going so bad, JP, and unexpected. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. 
Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Totally so, that you do focus on every single element and you do look at even the expression on Christie's face after he's missed a shot and we, we tear it to pieces on the bulletin and we analyse every nuance of Celtic Football Club um, but the big thing about the fitness I've been looking at the um, the interview that, that Neil Lennon gave in relation to Encham um, now also we do have <coughs> two French speakers on the Axon WhatsApp um, one, of, one of whom was David Slight who was on last week and he was looking at some of the translated uh, broadcasts of the uh, in Cham interviews after obviously the Marseille debacle and um, some of them are inaccurate so we've seen uh, previous broadcasters doing that in Scotland before haven't we but um, he, did, he certainly did not want in Cham at Marseille and that's why he's left AVB but when Neil Lennon was talking about him he did say that he, he seemed to he wasn't enjoying life in Glasgow he didn't have a great opinion of Scottish football so although he doesn't wake up one day and deliberately says I'm down in tools because I don't want to play for Neil Lennon or I don't want to play for Celtic sometimes we tend to forget these guys are human so they don't have the same motivation this season as they did last season and there's a cliche of down in tools but they're certainly not performing at their optimum they're certainly not putting in the same shift as they possibly did in the famous game you mentioned JP against Lazio last season and that, now you get away with having one or two of them in a squad I think a big problem this season we probably had half a dozen of them and it's all happened you know they've come to that point in their cycle at Celtic all at the same time I think you've always got one or two guys like that who are coming to that point, you know, like Van Dyke did. And he, he came at the same point when he went to Southampton where he, he basically he did down tools, he refused to play. I think that's, that is actually something that happens in the game, in the modern game now. So you've got a very good player in Cham who, you know, isn't really trying to his optimum. And you've got four or five, even six of them in a squad. Then you really are going to struggle with that. Declan, how big a part do you think that's been? Jeremy Frimpong continued to play right up until he was sold but he made it known he didn't want to be at Celtic if you've got half a dozen guys like that in the squad then surely some of the players need to take responsibility as well I think I went back to there and alluded to that the post-match Ferran Varos comments when a manager's saying there's an unhappy dressing room there's players that don't want to be there they want out you don't keep them so whether that's Neil Lennon's fault whether that's Peter Lawwell or Dermot Desmond's fault I don't know Whoever's decision it was to keep players that weren't happy was never going to be a good idea. If it was an executive decision, you know, it's guys above you that don't really know the game and don't know how much effect that can have in a dressing room. And as you proceed to have bad influences in a dressing room when you're going for such a monumental achievement, it was never going to work. And, you know, you've got two possibly maybe just one bad apple out there during that January window and in Cham. I don't know if Frimpong was causing any issues, but as you say, Paul, you were trusting Frimpong in a lot of big games where effectively his head was at another point where he's saying, this doesn't really affect me because I'm going to be gone in January, so what does it matter? So when you're going for such a big achievement, you know, to have players in about the dressing room, and it's, we know it's first team players, your Edwards, Ayers, Ayers not let us down. Um, but the other guys, Ryan Christie as well, same form as last season, it's not been there. 
And these are players that we really, really rely upon, especially Edward and Christie, and for latterly last season, the Levy and Cham. No, you're right. Now, see, when I was looking at the, the lineup, um, it's always interesting, isn't it, when you're waiting on that lineup coming out for a Celtic game, and you see the reintroduction of Scott Brown out of the team, JP. Um, I'm thinking to myself, you're going to, to the old tried and trusted players. Yes, he's the club captain, he's very influential. The last time we had seen him was when he was sent off against Livingston. I actually was quite impressed with his performance. I think when he scored the goal against Kilmarnock, his reaction was one of, um, you know, almost, you know, because there's a bit of anger in there, there's a bit of passion in there. But I like that. I like that in a Celtic player. I like it in a captain. Do you think Neil Lennon is going to go with people like Scott Brown between now and the end of the season? Um, or do you see the introduction of some other, maybe younger players, such as Stephen Welsh, who I thought played really well against Kelly? Yeah, I like Welsh as well. I just wanted to mention something a little bit about Encham before I talked about Scott Brown. But um, the thing with Encham is, is a curious one because Vias Boas can't. How could Vias Boas have made an assessment on Olivia Encham's personality and his attitude and everything else when the guy was barely in the door? Had they even met at the point that he gave that press conference? So I, I actually have a theory that Vias Boas has possibly been in touch with Neil Lennon uh, with regards to that. Because if he's been told, oh, you're getting this guy, it's not going to be hard for Vias Boas to get Lennon's number and basically phone him and say, what's this guy like? And Lennon will have filled him in on in Cham in the last year or two. you know. So like he's already got an opinion of him before he's even walked in the door. Because mm-hmm. how else would he have it? I mean... Yes, you could have watched tapes and all the rest of it, but you're not going to know. You can't make a judgment on a guy's personality based on watching him play in half an hour of a football match. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's happened. Anyway, Cham, I, I said on, on this uh, show, when one of the first times I was ever on, I said that I thought that maybe the, some of the Celtic players were just tired of winning. And that's been echoed by the manager in recent comments. He actually said the exact same thing. And it's a horrible thing to say. And if I take, but if I take my Celtic uh, specs hat, top everything off, and then look at it, they're just professional footballers who've won everything in the game for four years in a row. You know, I say everything in the game, everything in a domestic game. And these guys obviously are like, you know, well, we won another treble, oh great, okay, oh, well, I won another one, okay, you know, and maybe they just saw the glass deal and being hit in terms of Europe and thought, well, it's better that we want to move on and, and get more money somewhere else and, and play in a different league, maybe play with the sun on our backs, like Larson wanted to do eventually after his seven-year service. Different breed of player, obviously, of course. But anyway, that's my toughness worth on in champ. Um, Scott Brown, I put in the comments in the pre-match thing on here that I was pleased to see Scott Brown back in the starting lineup because I think... Uh, against St Mirren at the weekend, we definitely missed him and someone like him in the middle of the park. I think Storo's been good since he came in, but I don't think Storo is at the stage yet where you hang your hat on him every week and he's like Mr Reliable. And you know, I think Scott Brown still has some something left in the tank to give, as he proved in the Scottish Cup final when he won that header and the extra time to to get the goal for Griffith, uh, as he proved the other night by actually scoring a goal himself, which is a rarity. Uh, and just just talking the other players through the game, you know, helping likes of Welsh at the back, um, you know that that can only be. I mean, sort of how how much uh, encouragement and advice is Sorrow going to be given to Welsh? No disrespect to Sorrow, but he's not got the same you know mother tongue as Welsh, so 
you want Brown to basically be bringing him through. And uh, I, I, I certainly wasn't surprised by his performance. I think he probably knew that he owed us one and Lennon mm. one for the ridiculous sending off against Livingston. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that, JP. And I think when you're looking for maybe high points, any kind of positives from the, the bad run of form that we've had, the poor season that we've had, I, I'm going to put Welsh in that category. I think Sorrow and Turnbull are, are kind of the obvious ones. Um, Turnbull turning out to be the best signing uh, of the transfer business we did in the summer, which, you know, when you're looking at um, bringing an AC Milan player, Shane Duffy came to to quite a big reception. We knew El Yunusi, we knew what he could do. Um, the Barca situation, £5 million goalie, but Turnbull has been the best signing of the lot uh, and obviously we face his former club on the weekend and we'll talk about that as well. Now Declan, the other thing that uh, struck me was uh, Brown comes back in uh, Ayeti obviously was reintroduced it was good to see him on the score sheet but where does that leave Lee Griffiths? I mean there's been a lot spoken about Lee Griffiths in terms of fitness, going back to one of JP's earlier points uh, the fallout, the potential fallout between him and Neil Lennon, is he fit at Celtic Park? That's a big question. Um, again, post-match comments on Saturday, when the manager was asked about recruitment, he seemed to have a, want to have a go at Griffiths more than anybody else as a player that's not doing it for him. Um, whether he's finished at Celtic Park, I don't know. I think there's a year left in his contract come the summer. Whether Celtic just let that run down, don't think anybody else could really afford his wages. But I'll be a Yeti. Again, Back to post-match comments, conditioning not being good, he's only really, his condition's only been sorted. Why is it taking until February for that to happen? Um, game time-wise, since his last goal, I think he played about half the game time on offer. So he's not really had a good run of games. He was played, I think, in the Motherwell game as a lone striker. I don't think he's a lone striker, so... You're going to trust the guy that you've paid £5 million for, but whether or not they replace Edwards is another question. Griffiths might get back in when Edward goes, or he might not, you know, because him and Ayeti are probably quite similar, you know, penalty box strikers, poachers. So I don't really know in Griffiths yet, um, but again, no, he should be looking towards a European Championship that he's going to need to try and make his way in the squad for, and this is not going to help him whatsoever. No, you're right, you're right. Now, Russell Boyce made a really good point the other night uh, in the post-match, whereby he says, you know, when it comes to Griffiths and Brown, there's almost default um, excuses. Oh, Brown's not playing well, his legs are gone. Griffiths isn't playing well, he's no fit. And he wasn't buying it. You know, Russell wasn't buying the fact of the fitness. Now, I take Declan's point on board. By February, if you're Albi Ayeti, you're an international footballer, or if you're Griffiths, you're an international footballer, you know, the onus is on you. You've got to be fit. We're in February. I mean, the the, se- well, the season's now winding down and you're just getting fit. That, it's an incredible situation to be in, JP. And when I'm looking at Lee Griffiths, I just think that there comes a point where so many chances have been handed out, be that by the support, by the club, or by various managers. Uh, there comes a point where you think, you know what, you might be part of this um, upheaval. You might be part of the fallout, the, the restructure, and you might not be part of Celtic's new kind of philosophy going forward. No, I know. Uh, I mean, he's had more comebacks than Frank Sinatra, uh, and uh, and including Ibrox as well, uh, where Frank Sinatra had a, a comeback. Uh, even somebody saying they wished they'd gone to see him. He, uh, that was a gig that they wished they'd been to see was Frank Sinatra Ibrox. That actually happened. Did you know that, Paul? No, but you know what? If you tell me it happened, I'm believing it, JP. It did happen. It did happen. Yeah, yep. uh, that was a, a real gig. 
Um, but yeah, Lee Griffiths is a strange one. It's just, you know, there's just been this sort of constant circus around him and he comes back, he does well, he scores a crucial goal. Everybody's like, yes, really pleased with Lee Griffiths scoring, you know. Uh, and then, you know, he sort of falls away again and it's just there's never, he's never really had that sort of consistent, you know, scoring every week. Uh and it just always seems to be something with them, and it's it's really frustrating as a as a fan. You, you know, you want to see every player doing well, um, and it's just not really working for him at, at Celtic anymore. I, I don't I don't like staying all well. You know, in the summertime, it's time for him to move on or go to a Hibs or whatever. Because ultimately, you know how good he is, and you know he can score goals out of nothing. And you'd rather see him do it for us than go at Hibs and then haunt us at Hibs do you know what I mean because that's inevitably what happens when we sell a striker they come back to haunt us uh, look at Bratback Larson mm-hmm. there are many others um, I just pick up on a point from Kenny67 he said JP tired of winning come on players love to win if there's a drop in their motivation then it's up to the manager to recognise that and stimulate them or move players on and bring in hungry ones well the latter point is true and uh, whether Lennon has had the authority to move players on and bring in hungry ones is a different story because we don't know who's in charge of the recruitment at the club. You know? And then it reminds me of something else I wanted to mention about uh, the Schwed signing. So we conger and brought in Schwed, mm-hmm. as we're led to believe, right? And he was the, the, the guy in charge of the recruitment at that point. But clearly, Brendan Rodgers didn't want to buy Schwed. But Brendan Rodgers took Lee Congerton to Leicester. So somebody other than Lee Congerton and Brendan Rogers signed Marion Shred. It's, a, it's surely a fact that that happened. So that's a good point. Yeah, so, it's a very good point. Yeah. So like, like we, I, I, if I could ask um, Peter Law a question, it would be who signed Marion Shred, and I'd probably add in several others to that as well, like Marvin Comper, etc., etc. But you know, <laughs> clearly Lee uh, Congerton and Brendan Rogers have a good relationship. So it's not like Brendan Rogers has went off. Oh, I know you, you got me a dummy with Schwed, but you could just come down to Leicester anyway, do you know? So. No, I think that's an excellent point, and I'm maybe skipping a wee bit ahead of myself. There's loads of great comments that I'm going to work through as well. But Schwed's on my list here today because... I'm looking at the the restructure of Celtic in the summer, the upheaval of of the um, the squad. I mean, there's going to be an upheaval. You can you, you just know that there's so many players come to that stage of their own Celtic cycle that we're going to lose quite a few of the players who have maybe been mainstays for years. Um, the financial situation at Celtic, the uncertainty of fans back in stadiums, all these things. Um, I think Celtic will be treading very carefully in the transfer market, and I'm looking at the squad we already have. I think one of the biggest issues we've had is going back to one of your points, JP, recruitment, but also youth development. So I've got two things I would like to talk about. First of all, when you're looking at the recruitment, will Celtic consider some of the players we already have out on loan? Now, some of them obviously are already young, kind of up-and-coming players. Kerr McEnroy performing very well at Dunfermline, by all accounts. Scott Robertson now on his second loan deal. Uh, I've seen him playing for Celtic and I thought he looked very promising alongside the aforementioned uh, Olivier and Cham Marion's Zved started scoring goals for Mechelen, you've got Jack Hendry starring in Belgian football Leo Connor, a fullback, believe it or not who's playing very well for Tranmere and you've got other players like Bayo, a guy that I didn't rate uh, but we spent a couple of million quid on are the club going to be very cautious and, and look and assess the squad and end up bringing back guys that you thought were on their way out of Celtic, do you think that'll be part of the 
transfer strategy, JP? And if so, does that excite you or otherwise? Uh, I don't know. It all depends on what what changes are made in the summer and uh, what opportunities are afforded to these guys if they do come back. Because it, it, you know, you've seen guys go out on loan before, like Christopher Ayer. Yeah, it's kind of hard to even remember the fact that Christopher Ayer, a guy who's probably worth now, I would say, and this isn't you know bias. He's got to be worth twenty five million at least. You know, if Frimpong's going for eleven and a half. Christopher Iyer. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's head and shoulder, with the potential ahead of him in terms of his uh, development. You know, Christopher Iyer, strange thing, Kilmarnock had that guy for a season, you know what I mean? Mm. Like, They'll not have many players like him ever play for them, you know, no disrespect. I mean, neither will we, to be fair. <laughs> you know, we, we don't have a, a litany of, uh, you know, those guys. We've got more than them, obviously, but, you know, it's, it's it's rare that somebody like him comes along. So you've got the example of him and Christie obviously going to Aberdeen for a couple of spells and coming back uh, a better player and, and, and working his way into the team eventually. Um so, yeah, I mean, it's just about their levels and their numbers, I suppose, when they're at these clubs and what they're hitting and whether or not they think that they can come back and uh, and, and do a job for us. But how a weird situation if Marion Shred came back and ended up playing for Celtic after everything that's been said about it. That would that would be a real strange one. It would be, but if he cuts in from the right and scores against Rangers at Ibrox, then all is forgiven. Um, I'm, I'm just looking at the, the potential future situation at Celtic. I mean, the finances are going to play a massive part. Um, those at the helm will be looking at that as the priority. And if you can get success along with it, great. As supporters, we're just thinking of success. Of course we are. Um, and in the back of your mind, you, you trust those in charge to look after the, the balance sheet. Declan, is there anybody you think from the, the name's mentioned it could come back like JP says like a, a Chris Iyer a Ryan Christie Callum McGregor these guys have went away and developed elsewhere I think Scott Robertson's one who like you say that I, I watched against it was a clue he had his debut against and he played really well um, he's a player I think that's still got bags of potential in. a player in the squad who doesn't I don't think really get a fair crack it's Ewan Henderson as well um, he's been in the fringes for two years now and he's not really been given a big chance he's a guy under your nose that's still there you know I've got problems at the back I don't know how assured Jack Kendry is now but again no, is that was that just a confidence issue because at Dundee he did well and he looked like a decent enough centre half so whether he could return too and there is Marion Shred as well who his manager seems to have done a complete free set, uh, 180 on criticised him when he came in wasn't doing the business but spoke about an attitude change, he's now starting to put in performances. Listen, if you've got players there and we know they can give us something back, bring them back in and give them a shot. If it doesn't work out, you've still got plenty of time in the window to move them on. You know the thing, you mentioned a couple of the young guys um, and one of the, the high points in my season, one of the positive points has been the fact that uh, Welsh has broken through and I'm delighted yeah. about that. But um, when you're looking at 
some of the young players you've mentioned, I'd, I now get the sense, JP, that if a young player now isn't going to get the first-team opportunities at Celtic, they'll simply go elsewhere. They'll just engage with their agent and say, I want to move. We've had loads of young players leaving Celtic before they even play a first-team game, and that's a huge concern. And it was a bigger concern, again, waking up this morning and seeing that uh, Vincent Angelini could be the next on his way out. Now, this is a young guy. He's a goalkeeper. Uh, and he played alongside Karamo Dembele and you know under 13 under 14 at Celtic um, now he's David Hayes grandson now the Celtic link doesn't end there so Vincent Angelini's grandmother David Hayes wife Catherine is the niece of Joseph Ray who played for Celtic um, decades ago as well so that I just thought the young kid and he looks brilliant he got like player of a tournament I think that we played in Amsterdam when he was 14-15 is now wanted by Lazio Juventus and Manchester United I mean how can we compete when these clubs come in we've just lost another young player goalkeeper in Liam Hughes you know and Cameron Hart Pons away to New York Red Bulls um, and they just are added to the list of players who have gone to Bayern Munich, Josh Adam to Man City Okaflex apparently is wanted Dembele is wanted, if we don't look after them like Declan suggests then we're going to lose all these young players JP Yeah, it's, it's, that's quite concerning that, that they're obviously seeing first name opportunities are you know, going to be lacking for them You know, but you only need to look at examples of of recent uh, players like Kieran Tierney, Carl McGregor, James Forrest, that if you're good enough, then you'll get to run, you know, and you'll get in. It's just, if, if in a few years' time all these names that you've mentioned come back to bite us and they're all starring in the top leagues and they're worth a fortune, then you're going to look extremely foolish at this point, or from at that point, should I say, um, because we've let these guys go for next to nothing and they've, beat, they've come up, we've, we've reared them, they've come up through our our, uh, our squads and our, and our system um, I didn't know that about it's funny you should say that about is it Angelini did you say his name was? yes yeah so <laughs> going back to yesteryear uh, my friend Michael Taggart um, his sister was married at Seamill Hydro and, and I was at the wedding um, and the same day Davey Hayes' daughter was, was being married as well and both families were marrying an Italian. I remember it was like, a, both were Italian Scottish weddings. So that must be Angelini's mum and dad. Uh, which would make sense because I think it was around about 1999, 2000. But there was a host of Celtic uh, greats at that. And I bumped into Sean Fallon in the corridor. Wow. And, uh, and, and I knew straight away who he was. And I've got his autograph and a wee autograph book. But I just went up to him and I said, uh, Mr. Fallon, uh, I just wanted to say, you know, I just wanted to say hello. I'm a Celtic season ticket holder. And, you know, uh, and he went, oh, what's your name, son? And I was like, uh, John Paul. And he went, oh, that's, well, we know what you are with that name. And then, and then he shook my hand. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not joking. Huge hand. And I just remember how, how warm my handshake it was. And it was it was amazing, amazing moment. I was like, I can't believe it. I walked away just completely floating that I just met. Sean Fallon, you know, so a great, great man. Um, yes, I always go back to that uh, interview that I did for one of the books, and an incredible day, great man to meet, um, and you know, sorely missed as part of the the Celtic uh, family, as uh, we call it. Now, you mentioned Ayer before JP. It actually sprung to my mind when I was watching the game the other night at Kilmarnock on that plastic pitch that that is a guy. Now, I don't know. 
what the transfer fee will be once he finally leaves. I think you use Kieran Tierney as a kind of benchmark, don't you, when you're looking at the top, top player at Celtic. He will play for a team like Casey Milan. There will be a moment in the future. Why, why is he worth more than Frimpong? He's a full internationalist and he has been for several years. Um, in terms of his development, he's way ahead of Frimpong, if you ask me. Um, he's playing at the moment in a bad Celtic side, but still looking like head and shoulders above them. And when you look at that, you think, well, I'll, I'll think back to that night at Rugby Park when I see him playing for AC Milan um, in Europe or if I see him starring for Norway uh, in the finals of, of a tournament because he is one of the guys that's going to leave us. I mean, how do you how do you replace him? I would much prefer to rear our own, absolutely, um, but we need to use the transfer market far more wisely. And I think when we go into the, the summer months, and uh, you know we've got then coming Dominic Mackay I think there's going to be a fresh approach a new a fresh look on Scottish football not just Celtic you know the way to engage with fans um, like anyone else who uh, last week when they heard the news started searching old interviews with Dominic Mackay see some of the stuff that he's done with um, Scottish rugby it's very impressive it's hugely impressive and I think getting back to the main point of the show today how can Celtic get supporters back on side you know Twitter can be a, a horrible place at times, you know, and I don't think often that the, the level of vitriol that you actually see and you read um, is something that is unassailable, if you know what I mean. It, it's not as though you're going to lose these fans if you make efforts to engage with them. So we've heard some of the suggestions, you know, using your social media platforms, as Declan says, using what's at your disposal. But the big one for me was when Kevin was talking about Celtic players phoning season ticket holders, JP. Um, and I, th- <laughs> I think Kevin Graham's going to be the first on the list because obviously he came on to clarify that point the other day. Um, and you've said there yourself in relation to, you know, meeting absolute heroes. I actually think that that kind of thing uh, is gone. You know, the, the modern player is a completely different beast to your Sean Fallons and your David Hayes who have come up in conversation today. Now, Doc Declan, I know through his journalistic kind of background, has met a lot of Celts, a lot of ex-Celts. Do you think we're, we're entering a, or we're in a stage, Declan, where we need to accept that modern footballers are never going to be the same kind even going back to you know the centenary team Frank McIverney for example he'll stand and he'll chat to you if you, if you meet him have we entered a, a kind of have we entered the realms where we're never going to see that again with Celtic players I think it depends I mean certainly homegrown players just now um, Scott Brown and Callum McGregor and stuff will stand and have a conversation with you and they're, they're nice guys you know Um I think, you know, as the game's moved on, obviously we've got a lot more of a, a kind of international contingent in the squad now that, you know, they're not what you would call homebred and going back to that centenary team. It was full of Scottish, English, Republic, Ireland internationalists. Um, I think your homegrown players will always kind of be, you can always relate to them and have a chat to them. You know, that'll be the same as Stephen Welsh. I'm sure he's quite grounded. Kian Tierney was also absolutely terrific um, on a one-on-one basis I think anybody that ever met KT would say that same as Scott Brown so I think your homegrown guys will always kind of stop have time for you to chat but I think the way the game's moved on you have moved away from that and there's a kind of there's a bridge between you know the modern player and fans now that there's no meeting place in the middle of it they're, they're so far removed um, I mean, at Lennox Town, they will stop and they'll, they'll sign autograph for fans and stuff. But 
it's not like the olden days when they'll turn up to to players to functions and spend their Saturday evening in the company of Celtic fans. Those days are long, long gone. Mm. I mean, there's some really good comments coming in uh, via YouTube, Twitter and Facebook. Declan O'Kane on YouTube says, transparency with the fans on what's happening in the next five years. What are the club's aims? Who's coming in to replace Neil Lennon? When is that happening? Even is it happening? Because, I mean, we're talking about engagement, JP, and we've yet to hear the response or the, the results of this review. And I, and I guess part of that review is the plans um, short-term to medium-term in relation to the management team. I mean, transparency is key, surely. And, and, you know, a strategy over the next three, five, seven years, the fans need to buy into that, don't they? They do, yeah. And uh, on the, the subject of the review, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm just playing devil's advocate. I'm not trying to stick up for Celtic or anything like that. But it, it said, the quote was, the situation will be reviewed in January. That's what it said, I'm pretty sure. I don't think they ever said, we will review this in January and present it to the fans. Like, it's been, I don't think it's been misinterpreted. I think everybody would want to know what, what the decision is and what's going to happen going forward. I think, you know, if you remember the season when we stopped uh, Rangers winning 10 in a row they announced that Walter Smith was leaving at the end of that season so everybody mm. knew that that was happening and it kind of it, I wouldn't say it derailed them but it's I mean it, it, I don't think it helped I don't think it helped them at all um, so I think they've maybe just been fearful or, or wary of, of saying yes you know when and will leave at the end of the season when his contract expires um, but in terms of like fan engagement I think you know, like like you were saying about fans, uh, players going to like supporters club functions. I know we can't have any supporters club functions at the moment. We can't do a lot at the moment. Um, but I think going forward, I think that if they could reintroduce that uh, at some point, you know, I think that really would it would help the players understand. Even if the player went to one engagement, you know, in a, every couple of months or something like that, you know, if, if it got spread around, you know, we're not saying that they have to go to, was it Tony that said they should be going every week? <laughs> I was like, it's maybe a bit much. Um, but it's a bit over the top, but um, I, I think maybe once once or twice every couple of months, just to, just to you know, experience what mm-hmm. it's like in a room of 200 absolutely maniac Celtic fans who've had a few sherbets, uh, you know, they'll soon know, uh, if they don't know already, what sort of club they're playing for because, you know, I've been in that room, you know, for the Tunnel Burn Suffers and it's, you know, it's, the atmosphere's amazing, you know, like it's, it's, pro- it's properly powerful um, and, uh I'll, I'll, I'll never forget those nights, especially with Tommy Burns finishing the night singing Mac the Knife. That was always a that was always a, a great finale. He did actually sing The Greatest Love of All by Whitney Houston one night. He completely went off piste. Everybody was expecting Mac the Knife and he sang uh, The Greatest Love of All by Whitney Houston. I love it. It was... It was powerful. <laughs> <laughs> See, when uh, you, you, you've mentioned it a couple of times, this is the Harriet Watt, isn't it? The CSC. Yeah. Um, was it the 30th anniversary in 2019 of that Burns Supper, was it? It must have been something around that, the 30th anniversary. I, 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 I honestly can't remember. I know that we, we the last one that happened, I'm pretty sure, was the, the Celtic Park one uh, where we did it kind of in tandem with Celtic. Um, so you had sort of half the room, half the suite, the Kerrydale suite was, uh, you know, Glasgow Celtic Mafia, you know, <laughs> the, the great and the good that support Celtic. And then the other half was like all the, 
reprobates that were in our supporters club so it was great seeing you know all those guys again and you know and hearing people talk about uh, you know it was a lot of the centenary squad were there which was amazing like I met like Peter Grant Billy Stark uh, and all those guys and that's that's where I got my wee tiny wee top further signed by more of that 88 team and, and that, that was just that was brilliant for me as, as, as they were they were my first team you know they're my they're my sort of Hollywood Celtic team if you, if you want to call it that Definitely. No, it's, it's great. And, you know, you do miss these kinds of things, JP, talking about getting together with Celtic fans in a room. And I know that Declan has set up similar at the Bertie Old Celtic Supporters Club, Declan. But it's difficult, isn't it, to, to engage with the, with the club and get someone from the modern era to come along and represent the club. And generally you would go to the likes of, I think, Danny McGrain, uh, Bertie himself, John Fallon, uh, players from yesteryear. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's even difficult to get a trophy along, never mind a player to your dance. Um, it seems that far removed even. You know, sometimes it's it's just a lot easier just to engage with a kind of older player or, or even we're meant to have Tom Boyd at our dance last year before it was cancelled. Um, and all these guys will come along, they'll sit and they'll have a good night with you and sit at your table, tell you good stories. Obviously, Paul, you were at Ivers with Danny and Jordan, it was a good night. Um, and we've had many of those good nights. I think the, the last do I was at was uh, with yourself, Gordon Stack and Paddy McCourt, which is another brilliant night. So, you know, the, the things you pick up in these evenings are always great and they're always a good night out. But if you could got one modern day player along to them, I think they would enjoy themselves. I found it interesting, actually, because... Um you see a lot of these players doing the after dinner kind of circuit. I say after dinner, JP. It's a kind of same setup. Gordon Strachan turns up with a PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> I kid you not, right? So it, it, you think it's a Q&A, but you, you ask one question and then Strachan's actually got the button and he just starts talking through his career. And he'll decide what he wants to tell you. He's not answering any questions, you know what I mean? And then he sits down. Oh, all right, I'll speak to Paddy McCourt then. But I found that pretty interesting. Gordon Strachan had it all set up on a PowerPoint. You know, he'd obviously sat for ages setting this up. But he told you what he wanted to tell you. Yeah, yeah. There, was no, there was no Q&A about it, you know. Um, now, interestingly enough, Obviously, one thing happened last night in relation to the Hamilton Hackies and uh, bringing back memories of Tiger Tim Stevens uh, over the Tannoy at Celtic Park. But another thing that I did find interesting is obviously you'll be aware of Southampton's capitulation the other night against Man United, 9 nothing. Second time they've been defeated, I think, in 12 months, 9 0. And, um, you know, what's happened today, I was reading with interest that uh, there's been a request by Southampton to ban uh, Mike Dean and Lee Mason, no relation, JP, I'm guessing, um, from um, officiating future games involving the club. And it does beg the question. Now, I'm going to be very careful and balanced in the way I say this, but seeing Scottish football has been a discussion point for generations uh, within within Celtic and within Celtic fans and we've often asked for that so that you can get that transparency so you can get that consistency which is a word that Rangers like to use uh, and when, you, when you're looking at last night's decision not to send off uh, Ruth of Rangers you, you think to yourself when was the last time they got a guy sent off in a league game when was the last time a, a penalty was given against them in a league game and you know is it something that you think would ever happen again in Scottish football or have we been frightened as a club into not appealing uh, for such changes in the game when you think back to the, the strike of the officials uh, during Neil Lennon's first tenure 
Yeah, well, I think you just get, uh, you know, you get ridiculed and sort of, uh, you know, called like a, a moon howler or whatever if you if you ever go up with anything against that. But it seems, I mean, you look at the Morelos thing uh, the other week against him, and in the retrospective pre-match ban, it's just like, the guy doesn't get, he never gets sent off in a game anymore, but he gets the ban after the game, and that's becoming norm. Like, I mean, everybody could see that that was a red card. Everybody could see that last night's was a red card, although I did see Callum Davidson had defended him. Uh, he's came out and said that he didn't think that it was a red and just hoped that Murray Davidson was going to be okay for the final. I mean, if he misses that final because of that challenge, that is an absolute sin. Um, because you know there's not going to be you know, no disrespect to Murray Davidson or St Johnson but they're not going to be in many cup finals are they like let's face it and certainly you know maybe not him in his career so I really I, I really hope for the guy uh, I have no you know previous love or hate for the guy but I certainly hope from a footballing point of view that he can play in the final because I think that would be horrible if he wasn't able to play because of that challenge and I think to be fair when you look at it Roof actually thought he was off. I think when he, yeah, I thought he was heading for the exit, and then he turned back round and saw the yellow, and was like, "Oh, okay, got away with that one." So, but it's like you say, though, uh, JP. I mean, you get ridiculed if you suggest that there's any kind of conspiracy the first thing they'll say is you know you've you've just won nine leagues in a row four trebles in a row how can there be uh, an issue with refereeing but what I would actually say is it, it's a bit, it really is about consistency because I mean even the Kilmarnock game you know if I take the, the green tinted specs off for a minute and I look at some of the, the flashpoints no I don't think Scott Brown should have been sent off absolutely not was Eduard offside probably was a Yeti's a penalty I don't think it was so I, I think it's more of a a consistency issue in relation to the refs I don't like targeting refs I think that's a bold move by Southampton and it's happened in Scottish football where there was a complaint made against Willie Collin they didn't referee a game involving Rangers for several months um, so I, I don't agree with that because then you're singling out a referee that needs to go about his day to day business and that's no fair um, but it is something again that you're looking at in terms of the consistency and by the way I'm not using that as an excuse for Celtic's performances this season because you know that that's it's just a mitigating circumstance uh, in relation to the way that things have gone this season. Celtic have been absolutely uh, rotten and it's nothing to do with the referees. Um, the other thing I'd, I'm just going to quickly bring up while it's on the screen is Mark is uh, reminding us Axom Literature and Music Festival one weekend in 2021. Can you imagine that, JP? That, that would be remarkable, wouldn't it? Let's get the Celtic fans together for a, a celebration of music, literature and Celtic. Certainly, any sort of festival would be great at this moment in time, but uh, that would be particularly good. Uh, just, yeah, I think everybody's just desperate to sort of, you know, see other people and, and you know, share real life stories instead of, uh, you know, doing it over over the phone or over, over Zoom. And I think, you know, it would be a tremendous uh, release, I think, for everybody. Um it's just a shame we wouldn't have much to celebrate at it in terms of uh, trophies or anything like that. But I think, honestly, the sheer celebration of just being able to do something like that would be would be a celebration in, its, in itself. Um, I've said before, I didn't really get the same enjoyment out of basically this this whole COVID nineteen thing has has you know let's. I, I know that there's a lot of bigger things going on and people are uh, obviously losing their lives and that's horrendous. But if we're talking strictly football, it's basically it ruined our celebrations of nine in a row 
it's going to, you know, not. I don't think it's going to impact as much on people as if this was a normal uh, time and Rangers were this far ahead. People would be in a lot worse states than they are now because you've got to look at things in perspective. And you know, like I said, people are dying. We're still weirdly getting to watch football matches in empty stadiums every week, which I still find surreal. It's like it's almost sometimes like it's not actually happening, and then you're like. Well, this is going to be in the record books. You know, Celtic won a league title in March and we're given it in May, you know, and uh, the full season wasn't played out. Rangers are, uh, Rangers are going to win a league and not one person is going to have been at any of those games. <laughs> you know, Some people will be like, oh, yeah, I, I won, won the league that season. Like, oh, how many games did you go to? None. Aye. Uh, it's just, it's just, it's, it is, and then you've got the Scottish Cup, and it'll be, you know, that was the one that was run over than it. It will, it's in the history books, and you know, I'm looking forward to the time where we can look back on it, JP, rather than live live through it. You know, Paul Cockwell, welcome to the show. You're watching on YouTube, so if you are watching on YouTube out there, please subscribe. We're building up the channel to um, a wide, wide audience, and we've got other shows that we put out as well. And you get things as well, like you know, the interview with Mark Hughes. We've done interviews with the likes of John. Barnes, who I know went to your CSC dance as well, JP. Neil Lennon, although I don't think he's going to give us a part two. There's an interview with Neil Lennon in there as well, so check out the YouTube channel. Paul Cockwell, what happens if Lennon wins all the next games? Can I be totally honest here, right? See, even if he did, I want change in the summer. I think it's part of a wider change. I want the restructure of the club to involve potentially a director of football. We need to look at the, the football club and that department as a whole, not just the 11 guys on the park. We need to look at the youth development and the way that, for me, it's not really been working, um, the way that we recruit players, the way that we develop them, and also the director of football, for me, being a buffer between the directors and uh, the, the guy who's in charge of the football team. Uh, and I don't think that if you do that, that the current incumbent has to still be there. I think it needs a clean break. What about yourself, Declan? Is there any way back for Neil Lennon, in your mind? I think that kind of scenario would be like decorating the house after it's been demolished. Um, just, I don't think there's any way back in terms of what's already preceded this season. You know, the league's probably gone. Um, probably about a half a percent chance of winning that. Um, and as you say, I would like to start a clean slate moving forward. New chief executive in, change the structure, bring in a director of football and probably a new management team. So I think... The time for Neil to be to be manager at the club's probably now ran its course and did so a, a good few months ago. Yeah, what, what about yourself, uh, JP? I know that football fans are a fickle bunch. Um, I almost said something else there they're a fickle bunch football fans we know that you know you look at the way that the Man United fans were looking at Solskjaer earlier on in the season compared to now that's just the way it is but I just think in this season of all seasons it's a wee bit deeper than that isn't it? I mean passions and tensions are running high because of the situation that we find ourselves in with the, regards to the pandemic um, not being able to go to the games I think a lot of people hung on a lot longer than maybe other football clubs would with regards to Neil Lennon uh, and in terms of thinking that he could turn things around. If he did, as Paul mentioned in the comment, if he did win all the games, we'd still finish second. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because like, uh, there's no way that there's going to be any sort of uh, collapse. You know, look at last night, a 1-0 home victory. You know, they're just going to keep turning those results out and, you know, fair, fair play to them. They've been the most consistent 
side you can't argue with it I don't think they're a great side by any means at all which makes this all, all the harder to take because you know if you were losing to a really spectacular side playing you know dynamite football then you'd be like okay you know if it was a Brendan Rodgers invincible team you know then you'd be like okay hands up but uh, it's not uh, I, I just think maybe they were considering a change and the, the pressure of going for 10 in a row and you know thinking if, if we did change it you know after Brendan Rodgers left would that then if we were trying to do something that was planning for a five year thing or whatever then that, that means that we were putting in jeopardy 10 in a row if you were like giving a manager some time to sort of bed in so we were like oh well you know Neil Wennon's safe pair of hands you know his sort of passion for Celtic and everything else and, and we'll, we'll buy his time with the fans you know the fans will surely get on board with that that sort of idea especially as he just won the league and the, the cup as a result but I don't I don't what I don't like is there's some really poisonous stuff uh, being put online about Neil Lennon and and the, this whole the red uh, you know no no Neil Lennon the, that sort of badge that people are trying, trying to promote I think that's really really bad uh, I'm not on board with that at all it's certainly not something I would like to have representing me because I just don't think that's very becoming of a human being uh, to one to another human being. I don't think he's done enough to to, to uh, you know um, receive that level of uh, negativity. Declan, uh, one final thing. Looking ahead to this weekend, we're up against a team in Motherwell who seem to have got that new manager bounce, and um, obviously we've got to face them whilst they're on a decent wee run of form. What's your thoughts on the weekend? Do you, do you fancy that uh, our great run of form of one win and one might continue? I think, again, good back to consistency, I would keep the same team, probably will be the same team unless Sorrow gets reintroduced. Um, I think we're a lot more comfortable with that back four. I thought the other night John Joe Kenny gave a lot more balance to the team. We also looked a lot more assured in defence with Ayer than uh, Duffy and Beaton did. So I think if you continue with that, you could probably string a few games together, but it's, it's too little too late now, unfortunately. No, you're right. What about yourself, JP? I mean, even though it's the season from hell, I still look forward to watching Celtic. You know, I still look forward to to uh, running the match day stuff that we do on Axon. Um, do you fancy us to go to Fir Park and win on Saturday? Oh, we're at home, are we not? Aye, we are, aye. <laughs> I mean, this is the thing. It, do, it makes no difference, does it? Is, is it Sky Sports or Celtic TV I'm watching it on? I would, I would fancy going to Fir Park on Saturday, to be fair. Uh, well, like in real life, I would. I'd love to go. Uh, mm. A good away trip. Especially uh, good memories of that seven-one uh, many years ago. But uh, the game on Saturday, I think you know Motherwell gave Rangers a game at, at Fir Park only a couple of weeks ago, and uh, they had only got a one-one there. And if we'd have got, gone there and got a one-one, we'd have got absolutely slaughtered. So um, I, I just, I just hope with the players, if the players turn up and put in a good performance, I don't see how. Uh, we're not going to win that game, but you know it's Jekyll and Hyde. You know, submitting to Kilmarnock on Tuesday was you know uh, you know yin and yang. So I I, I hope I, I I like the look of a Yeti um, as the game progressed, and I want the guy to do well. You know what I mean? I, I want him to do well, not just because mm. five million for him. We could have paid you know five hundred thousand for him. It doesn't matter about the fee for me. It's just like he seems like a 
a like a likable enough guy. He wants to keep tell he wants to do well. Um, and I hope he gets I hope he gets another opportunity on Saturday to because I thought he took his goal well on, on Tuesday. And he, yes, it might not have been a penalty, but at least he put himself in the mix to get the penalty. And, you know, I, I don't have an issue with that. I think it's about partnerships. Uh, you know, you look at Eduard Ayeti, you hope that can develop. Welsh, uh, alongside Ayer, as Declan was saying before, you hope that can develop as well. I mean, we'll be covering the game half an hour before kick-off. Yes, it is at Celtic Park, but um, my venue remains the same, as most people's do. Uh, but yeah, thank you very much, guys, for getting involved on Facebook, Twitter, and also on YouTube. And all that's left for me to say this afternoon is JP Mason and Declan McConville. Thanks for joining me once again on a Celtic State. Got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives gives you access to all every audience live conversations trusted influencers and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company go to iHeartResults.com for more sports social podcast network sports social podcast network sports social podcast network sports social podcast network Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.